this is the last of the four faiths regarding Moses that we find in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 28, through faith, he kept the Passover. Through faith, he kept the Passover. He knew exactly what he was doing. And the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Faith and the Passover. Of this Moses was sure the only way that he and the rest of the nation of Israel would not perish under the wrath of God, the just wrath of God, was because of the Passover. Now, do you and I understand that with regard to ourselves? Would we have this same faith that Moses did? We're going to go into the history of the Passover in Exodus chapter 12, but let me remind you of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. The gospel is called how that, how that. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was talking about the Old Testament scriptures. And this is not manifested any more clearly than in this thing called the Passover. If I had one passage that I could preach from and then die tonight, I believe this would be it. That's how much I love this passage of Scripture. Would you turn over to Exodus chapter 10? Egypt is in shambles. No nation can stand before the God of Israel. He sent nine plagues, and they have utterly devastated the land. Pharaoh, through his wicked obstinance, God hardening his heart. The scripture points out that so many times. God hardened his heart. God does that. God hardened his heart. And when God hardened his heart, he hardened his own heart as well. In wicked obstinance and defiance to God. He still would not let the people go. Look in verse 27 of chapter 10. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he would not let them go. After all he had seen, after all he'd experienced, the devastations of these plagues, the Lord hardened his heart. And he refused to let the people of Israel go. And Pharaoh said unto him, Get thee from me, take heed to thyself. See my face no more, for in the day that thou seest my face, thou shalt die. And Moses said, Thou hast spoken well. I will see thy face again no more. And the Lord said unto Moses, chapter 11, Yet 
Will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt? Afterwards, he'll let you go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Speak now in the ears of the people. And let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. Now, I think it's interesting to note, I dare say that many of the children of Israel become friends with some of the people in Egypt. They crossed each other's path. They knew each other. They were well acquainted with each other. And all of a sudden, they come up to their neighbors and said, let me have your silver and gold. And they gave it to them. Let me have your jewels. And they gave it to them. I don't think anything like this has ever happened in the history of mankind, do you? Verse 3, and the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. They'd seen what the Lord had done through Moses. And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt. And all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh that sits upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that's behind the mill. And all the firstborn of the beasts And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. This is going to be more severe than the nine plagues. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue. A dog's not going to bark against one of them. Against man or beast. That you may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Now, this is the verse Paul referred to in Second Corinthians or First Corinthians chapter four, verse seven, when he asked the Corinthians this question. And I want you to think about it, and I want to think about it. Who maketh thee to differ from another? You believe the gospel. You see Jesus Christ as altogether lovely. You love him. You believe him. You rely on him only as everything in your salvation. Who made you to differ? Why is it that you believe the gospel? Because somebody made you to differ. Somebody distinguished you. Somebody discriminated with you. This is what is called discriminating grace. And that's a good term. That's exactly what this means. Discriminating grace. Now, any other kind of discrimination is bad. Any kind is bad. This kind is the only hope we have. That God would distinguish us from others. What do you have that you didn't receive? Do you have faith? What a blessed privilege. Who gave it to you? You received it, didn't you? It's not something you did on your own. 
You received it. I love the way he says this. Against the children of Israel shall not a dog bark against man or beast. So that you might know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Verse 8. And all these thy servants. He's speaking to Pharaoh. And all these thy servants shall come down unto me. And bow down themselves unto me. Saying get thee out. And all the people that follow thee. And after that I'll go out. (coughs) Not until you're made to say get out. Please get out. And he went out from Pharaoh in a great anger. This is kind of signature of Moses. (laughs) He had a temper. And he was angry at this time. He went out in a great anger anger and the Lord said unto Moses Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt and Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go out of the land And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Now, the calendar was changed for this event. That gives us some idea of the significance of this event. The calendar was changed for this event. Now, this month was formerly the seventh month, roughly our September, but now it's called the beginning. Do you know understanding the Passover is where life begins? Insofar as our experience goes, understanding the Passover is where spiritual life Begins. Now, there is so much debate about when life begins. At what point does a fetus become a person? That's a raging debate. Well, the Lord said before, I formed thee in the belly. I knew thee. Does that answer that question? Spiritual life, insofar as our experience goes, is when we keep the Passover by faith in Christ. That's why he says this is going to be the beginning of months. When we, by faith in Christ, keep the Passover. Now, we could say that life began in the book of life. That's what it's called, isn't it? The book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And the Lord did say in Jeremiah 31 verse 3, Behold, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Do you know you've always been a person to the Lord? A person that he loved? A person that he knew? You see, there's no time with him. Before I formed thee in the belly, I 
knew thee. And we could easily say that life began before the foundation of the world when the names of the elect were written in the book of life. But we, as a result of Adam's fall, were born into this world dead in trespasses and sins. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go about as soon as they be been born, speaking lies. David said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Born bad, born sinful, born dead in trespasses and sins, without spiritual life. And we do not have spiritual life until we, by faith, keep the Passover. That is when, in our experience, we have spiritual life. That is why the calendar was changed for this. To let us know, when does a man have life? When does a man have spiritual life? When he believes the gospel. When he keeps the Passover and all that the Passover represents. Let me give you some uh, of the different words. This word beginning is translated. This shall be unto you the beginning of months. Um, It's the head of months. The person of months. The chief of months. The best of months. The highest of months. The supreme of months. The summit of of months, the total of months, the sum of months, the commencement of months, the foremost of months, the principle of months, the source of months. This shall be the beginning of months. This is when you live, when you keep. Passover. Now he says in verse 3, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, this beginning of months, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. Now, a very specific time is given when this lamb is to be taken. Doesn't it say Christ came in the fullness of time? At the time God ordained? And it's a lamb. I have no doubt it was a lamb that the Lord slew when he made coverings for Adam and Eve. It was a lamb that Abel brought that God had respect for. I think that's one of the most glorious things. God had respect to Abel and his offering. And if you look to Christ only, guess what? God has respect for you through your offering. Isn't that an amazing thing to think of? God respecting me through the blood of Christ. Every believer is respected by God. And this lamb was for every individual according to their eating. Christ died for every 
single elect sinner, none of them shall be lost. You know, every time um, I speak of Christ's atonement for his elect, I can't help but feel contempt. And I don't know of any other word to use, but for contempt, for that teaching that would say he could die for you and you'd end up in hell anyway. I have nothing but contempt for that because the only hope I have is that Christ died for me. And if he can die for me and I can wind up in hell anyway, you've taken away the only hope I have. Each one for his own eating. Verse 5, your lamb shall be without blemish. Now you know that talks about the perfection of his life. He never sinned. In thought, in word, in deed, in motive, the spotless, holy Lamb of God, he never sinned. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You you shall take it out from the sheep and from the goats. And you shall keep it into the 14th day of the same month. Have you ever wondered why 14? I have. 14 days. What is the significance of 14 days? Now remember in the Bible, there's significance to everything. There's significance to every number. Well, what's 14? Two times seven. Seven, perfection. The two natures of Jesus Christ. The divine nature, perfect. The holy nature, perfect. The human nature, perfect. Christ Jesus, the God-man, fully God, the divine nature, And fully man, just as much a man as you and I are. Oh, how glorious. Fourteen days, and for that, that the father watched him. The father looked at him for the 33 years he lived on this earth and saw his perfection. And you shall keep it into the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Now what were you to do with that lamb? Kill it. What good would the life of Christ do for me or you if he didn't die? It wouldn't do us any good at all. It would be of no benefit to us at all if he did not die. Now why would a perfect lamb die? Why would The God-man, fully God, fully man, perfect. Why would he die? Isaiah tells us he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we, listen to this confession of sin by Isaiah. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've everyone turned to his own way, and the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. That's why he died. He bore our sins in his own body on the tree. 
Now remember, if they said kill it, if there wouldn't have been a death of the Lord Jesus Christ, there'd be no resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what does the resurrection tell us? He was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. When Christ was raised from the dead, everybody he died for was justified. Stands before God without guilt, without sin, because of his work. And notice he says, kill it in the evening. Kill it in the evening. You know, when the disciples first uh, observed the Lord's table, it was right after the Passover in the evening. And they observed the Lord's table in the evening. I've had people say, why don't y'all have the Lord's table on Sunday mornings where more people are here? Well, the Lord said, do it. We ought to do it just the way the Lord did it. And it was the evening. So I make no, you know, that's, that's when to take the Lord's table. They did it in the evening. We want to do it that way too. But um, verse 7 And they shall take of the blood. They kill the Passover lamb after watching it for 14 days. They shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherewith they shall eat it. And they're going to go in that house with the blood over the door. And they shall eat the flesh in that night roast with fire. Now that represents Christ being roasted under the wrath of God. The only thing that gives a sinner any hope is Christ crucified. Not just Christ, and I, don't, I say that reverently, but not just Christ, Christ crucified. That's our message. Eat this lamb, roast with fire. And unleavened bread, verse 8, unleavened bread. You know, Paul said a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And he's talking about works there. You put works in salvation. Just a little leaven of works. You make the whole thing of works. So it's to be utterly unleavened bread. And with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Oh, the bitterness of salvation by works. The bitterness of salvation by being dependent upon what I do. That's a bitter thing. It's, and when we believe the gospel, we understand the bitterness of, be, of salvation by works, what's contrary to that. We don't believe that, but we're aware of it. Verse 8, eat not of it raw. Once again, we eat Christ crucified. Him roasted under the wrath of God. Don't eat of it raw, nor sodden it all with water. Don't water it down. When we speak of the atonement of Christ, oh, speak in clear terms. Don't water it down in any way. Who he is and what he actually accomplished. You know, I heard a preacher recently say, Christ died for all who will believe. Well, yeah, I agree with that. But so would Billy Graham. So would uh, any other free will preacher. That is watering down the gospel. Don't say it like that. Don't water it. Down, eat not of it raw nor sodden with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs with the pertinence thereof, and you shall let nothing remain unto the morning, eat all of it. Every doctrine of Christ is to be received and rejoiced in. It doesn't matter what it is, if it's in the Word of God, it's of critical importance. 
Somebody says, well, that doctrine's not so important. It's okay for us to disagree on that. No, it's not. Anything God reveals is to be eaten and digested and becomes part of you, the doctrine of Christ. Eat all of it. His legs with the pertinence thereof, you shall let nothing of it remain unto the morning. Of that which remaineth of it unto the morning, you shall burn them with fire. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Now while you're eating this glorious Passover meal, you're eating it in a traveling posture. This world is not my home. You know, when you're eating the Passover, that's when you really enter into this world is not my home. I'm, it's just temporary, and I'm just passing through eating the Passover. And notice what he says next. Usually eat it in haste. Hurry up. Don't wait for anything. Don't wait till you have more understanding. Eat it right now. Don't wait till you have more, a, clear, a more clear doctoral understanding or you have more uh, clear views or, or you feel like you have more victory in your life or you have power over some sin and you think you quit. Don't wait till you do anything. Eat it right now. Don't put the cart before the horse. Don't think, well, I can't eat it unless I fill in the blank and give some kind of evidence that, that I have a right to eat it. Don't, don't eat it right now. The gospel is to be believed right now. Don't wait for anything. Eat it in haste. For it's the Lord's Passover. Salvation is of the Lord. This is the Lord's Passover. Verse 12, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt will I execute judgment. I am the Lord. Do you know that... Um, there was the smiting of the firstborn in every house in Egypt. Either the actual firstborn person or the lamb. But in every house, there was the smiting of the firstborn. And this is what God calls the execution of judgment. Don't miss that. He says, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And when the Lord Jesus Christ was dying on the cross... This was the execution of judgment. This is glorious. This is how God made a way. I hope nobody in here ever gets tired of hearing this or think I already know that. Just how God made a way to be just and justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. It, it, is it, do you ever get tired of that? I, that don't think I already know that, doctor. I, I've got that down pat. Let's go. No, you don't. This is glorious. I will execute judgment. That is why the Lord could say of that self-condemned publican in the temple, I say to you, that man went down to his house justified. Rather, 
than the other. Now, all the false gods of Egypt are seen to be what for what they are in the Passover. I am the Lord, absolute, unpeachable authority. I am the Lord. Now, here we have the gospel promise in verse 13. Let me say this before I read it. This, this ought to be a favorite scripture of every one of us. It surely should. Verse 13. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Now, what was God looking for? He did not say, when I see your faith. He did not say, when I see your repentance. He did not say, when I see your sorrow over sin or your efforts to not sin or your sincerity. Uh, not when I see your doctrinal understanding. He didn't even say, when I see your love. He said, when I see the blood. That's all God was looking for. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Now, I thought about this. This, this was a big group of people. Uh, at least two million. You reckon somebody on that very day and I would never say, I, wanna, I would never say anything to excuse sin or disobedience. We ought not ever sin again. Do you believe that? We ought not ever commit another sin again. Amen. Everybody here agrees with that. We ought not. But in that big group of people, don't you know that there was somebody that very day that committed some horrible, wicked sin? Outwardly. I'm not just talking about in the heart that we do every day. I'm talking about something just horrible. We, I won't even mention it because as soon as I mention it, I know where our minds will go. Whatever bad thing it might be. But let's say somebody committed some horrible sin that very day. If they were in the house with the blood over the door, were they safe? Absolutely. God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. If you were in a house with the blood, he passed over in mercy and grace. Who had to see the blood? He didn't say when you see the blood. You couldn't see it, could you? You're in the house. He said, when I see the blood. Now, I'm sure in those houses, there were different degrees of confidence. Uh, in one house, you had... Uh, I'd say Moses. Let's say Moses. I bet, I bet he wasn't worried a bit. Lord's gonna, Lord says he's going to pass over in mercy where he sees the blood. We're in good shape. I can just see Moses just sitting there waiting for it to happen. And he had much confidence. 
And then there's somebody else in the house that was scared to death. They were nervous. They perhaps had sin on their heart and conscience, and they were, they were nervous. What, is he going to pass by me? Now, let me ask you a question. Was the person who had complete confidence any more secure than the person who didn't have this complete confidence? No. No. And the one who had such shaky confidence wasn't less secure than the man who had full confidence. Why? Because God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. That is the gospel. You know what I do? I stay in the house. For the rest of my life, I'd stay in the house. When God sees the blood, story over, final chapter, you are passed by in mercy and grace. When the Lord said it is finished, it was finished. What's he talking about? It. Your salvation. It is finished. Stay in the house. Now look down in verse 28. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. And it came to pass that at midnight, just like the Lord said, the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of the Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all of his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both you and the children of Israel. Go, serve the Lord as you have said, and take also your flocks and your herds as you said, and be gone, and bless me also. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We be all dead men. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, their netting trials being bound up in the clothes upon their shoulders, and the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they bartered the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. Now this is where all the uh, materials of the tabernacle would come from. All these uh, jewels and gold, they were gold they were getting. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent unto them such things as they required and they spoiled the Egyptians. And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth, about 600,000 on foot that were men besides the children. And a mixed multitude went up also with them. Who were they? Well, they were the Egyptians who put blood over the door. Uh, they saw their only hope at that time was to be in one of these houses with blood over the door. They're called the mixed multitude. And a mixed multitude went up also with them in flocks and herds, even very much cattle, and they baked unleavened cakes of dough, which they brought forth out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and couldn't tarry, neither had they prepared for themselves any victual. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel, who dwelt in Egypt, was about 430 years, just like God told Abraham it would be. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the selfsame day it came to pass, salvation in a day, that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. And it's a night to be much, to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is 
the night of the Lord to be observed of all children of Israel in all generations. When does life begin? Spiritual life. It really is this simple. When by the grace of God, I keep the Passover. I enter into the house with the blood and I don't go out. May God give us all grace to do just that. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank you for our Passover. Christ Jesus, your Passover. And Lord, how we thank you that you've promised in your word that when you see the blood, you pass over us in mercy and grace. Lord, cause us to be like Paul, oh, that I may win Christ and be found in him, in the house with the blood over the door. Bless this word for your glory and for our good. In Christ's name we pray.